0: Welcome to be on the Paper. I'm Luke Ross and today we have with us chiropractor, Professor of Musculoskeletal Disorders and Researcher, Simon French. How are you doing?
1: Very well. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so before we sort of get into the questions, um, could you give us a brief overview of your paper and what it's about? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So we're talking
1: today, Luke, about a paper that I published as part of my postdoctoral work um, when I was working at Melbourne University. So we published this in 2013 uh, and it's titled Chiropractic Observation Analysis Study. So this was the COAST study um, that looked at uh, chiropractic practice
0: in general. So my follow-up to that would be what was the reason behind doing a chiropractic analysis and what we do? Sure. So
1: when I did my postdoc, I was embedded... I was working at a Department of General Practice at Melbourne University, and this method that we used has been used in general practice for a, for a very long time. At that stage, it was about a decade that they'd been using this particular method in general practice, general medical practice in Australia, um, and that was called the Beach Study. So you see what we did there. We called ours Coast Study. So very clever. It's good, good job. Very creative. And the BEACH study methods is that they every year they would enrol 1,000 general practitioners in Australia. So in Australia at that time, there was like 25,000 GPs. So they would enrol 1,000 general practitioners. And each of those 1,000 general practitioners would follow 100 consecutive patients who came in through the door. So it's a very basic study. It's just trying to get a handle on what's happening in practice, who's coming to see these practitioners, why are they coming to see them, and then what are the practitioners actually doing for them. So being in that environment and knowing that method, um, I was able to get really good, good support um, for the method to then translate that over to chiropractic practice. And at that stage, and I have to say, even, even since this study has been published, we really know very little about what is happening in chiropractic practice we don't have regular data collection going on we don't have electronic medical records that are constantly collecting what's happening out there in the chiropractic world and so our study was an attempt to try and get a sense for for what's out there so again those three three key things who's coming to see chiropractors so demographics age group um, you know what's their job? What socioeconomic status are they from? What 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 um, geographic distribution do they have? The second, what are they coming? What are they coming in the chiropractor for? So, their back pain, neck pain, something non musculoskeletal, and then what is the chiropractor doing for them? What what treatment were they providing? So, really fundamental uh, questions about what what
0: chiropractors do in practice. Can you tell us a little bit more about? Coast, so the chiropractic observation analysis study, and um, sort of the benefit of having that data collection, having the what we do and who we do it to Mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look,
1: it's it's for um, from my perspective, it's really fundamental information about just what's happening in practice. So, the benefits of knowing this are that we can tailor. There's really internal chiropractic profession benefits and then external benefits when we're communicating to government or to third-party payers or to other sort of healthcare disciplines, we can now reliably say exactly what it is that we do. So we can formulate from an education perspective, we can ensure that education is aimed and targeting the, the conditions that are being treated and the age groups that are being treated, for example. Um, So education can be modified for that. Um, We can concentrate our research activities on the conditions that are presenting to chiropractors as well. So we can, you know, rather than perhaps focusing on something that's very rare in practice or that chiropractors don't see too often, we might want to think about putting our resources into studying things that are commonly seen by chiropractors and ensuring that chiropractors are doing a, a good job. Um, for those patients, and so that they're getting the best benefit from that. Um, f- as far as talking to government, and I mean I, I guess one of the other things that I use when I present this study is that all the negative um, things that we hear about chiropractic practice in the in the media, um, you know we hear about, things that happen that when we look at the actual data happen very rarely. So a case in point, um, recently in the media as a a chiropractor treating a baby, um, what we showed is that that's a very, very small percentage of chiropractic practice. Every chiropractor out there is not treating babies in that way. Whether that's good or bad is another question. But from when we actually look at the, what's happening in chiropractic practice and look at the data, the evidence showed us that that's a very small percentage. And we showed that less than 1% of, of encounters that chiropractors see in, in, in Australia are seeing people that are that are of a very young age, so that's just I guess one example of where it's been useful to use this data. Um, as far as yeah, again speaking to government to uh, maybe lobby for for uh, healthcare benefits for patients who are seeing chiropractors, you know we can show that as you said back pain it, it's kind of the bread and butter work that chiropractors that chiropractors do, and so we can we can talk to these third-party payers and government at, at that level and actually bring evidence to the table
0: to support those those views. It's interesting I found that uh, professionals and managers were the most commonly presenting. Uh, I think the stats were about 32% of mm-hmm. presentations were people that sort of work in office jobs and managerial situations versus tradies and technicians were at about mm-hmm. 9%. Mm-hmm. Um, care to sort of elaborate on why you think that might be?
1: Yeah, look, I haven't thought about that too much, I have to say. Um a good question. I, I think one of the one of the um in a in a broader sense, one thing we do know from Coast and from other work that's been done in this area is that most of the people who see chiropractors are are employed. Um, we don't obviously because it's a, we have to pay out of our own pocket to see chiropractors. We don't see a lot of people who are unemployed or on disability um, benefits or things like that. Um, so we tend to find that, therefore, that would attract a certain type of, of, uh, of person to come to see chiropractors. As far as the management goes, yeah, I haven't reflected on that too much. I mean, I, I guess we could look at some sort of biological plausibility of... Uh, Back pain is a common thing that people come in for. Um, therefore, and and sit, sitting jobs, sedentary jobs, it's not good for you generally. So it may be that that's more uh, more appropriate. But then on the flip side, of course, you know, very manual jobs also, you know, can lead to musculoskeletal problems. Um, but but I I, I think that. It could be a reflection of the socioeconomic status of of, of, of people who are coming to see chiropractors. I, I guess I'm, I've just gone in full circle trying to answer that question um, in that I think it's probably more of a reflection of the income level of the pe- people rather than potentially musculoskeletal health care need. Um, and I think that is one, you know, as a broader issue, that is one thing that, that we struggle to deal with as a, as a chiropractic profession when we are having to charge people for the care that we provide um, and people have to pay up front. They obviously need to be able to afford that. So the need for the care because of the amount of pain people are in is not necessarily um, the care that we can provide to, to patients more generally. So, yeah,
0: interesting question. Thanks. Yeah, it's an interesting answer actually. Um, so as far as the presentations that were found to most commonly come, it was, it was predominantly back pain, uh, like almost about half, I think. Do you think that's just a product of the fact that we're still kind of known as the back people? And do you think that that kind of value will change in the future, will kind of be seen more broadly? mm yeah. So
1: I guess the yeah the f- first part of your question. So sixty uh, percent of of chiropractic encounters, from what we measured, and we've demonstrated that this the, the study was done in Victoria. Um, and so it's it, we know that it's reflective of Victorian chiropractic practice. We, we have to assume that that's um, also reflective of Australian, Australian chiropractic practice more broadly. Um, so it wasn't necessarily back pain, but it was musculoskeletal problems. So 60% of encounters are for spi- typically spinal problems. So it could be back or neck pain. Clearly, most of the people who come in 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 that sixty percent would be would be back pain. Um, the other forty percent were um, sorry. The other thirty nine percent were um, for checkup or sort of maintenance care. So this was that was sort of a surprising finding for us that a high proportion. I mean, you know, four out of every ten or um, ten consultations were for. Some sort of checkup, so people coming back for a, for a maintenance care or for if if they they didn't necessarily have a specific problem, they didn't have specific pain, they were coming back because they saw that. Well, you, you assume that they 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 thought that chiropractic was going to be beneficial to them. So, I, I think there's there's no question that musculoskeletal conditions are the bread and butter of chiropractic practice and. It's a very common condition in the community. It's highly disabling internationally. It's a it's a significant problem that has been under resourced and under treated. And chiropractors really have have a role that are, that we really need to take advantage of. And we're certainly showing that with this da- with these data, that that chiropractors are providing care for for those patients. Um, I guess this addressing the second part of your question is more. Uh, I, I guess heading. On the lines of other broadening the scope of practice of chiropractic beyond the the beyond back pain is that is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you know clearly as you know, as a fifth year student, we we have very good training in other conditions, but it's it's yeah, it's not happening at the moment. The other context of this study is that um, with colleagues that I worked with in Canada, we did a a what's called a scoping review at looking at all of the the studies that have been done internationally to, to bring all of these, um, these studies together. So rather than just having one specific study that was, in this case, conducted in Victoria, we looked across all of the world's literature and tried to bring it all together. And it was remarkably consistent internationally that this sort of makeup of, um, you know, high proportion of, of people who come in have musculoskeletal problems, that's internationally what chiropractors are doing. So, so I think um, we're kind of destined to be in that space for 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 a long way, a long time to come. That that's that's really, and that's not a criticism of the profession. This is an incredible opportunity because there is such high burden of this condition in the community that we really have to take advantage of that and, and ensure that we're providing the best quality care uh, in that context.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, how many years has it has low back pain been at the top of the global burden of disease in sort of first world countries? Like more than more a long than time, more like, than a decade. That's yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Couldn't think of an exact number, but I know it was a <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I think that's if there's a need and we can mm-hmm. feel it, that's good. Exactly. So my other question uh, is having sort of. Having had a look at Victoria and the sort of scope of chiropractic practice there um, and gotten a feel for the zeitgeist of what we're doing, what's the next step in the research, having learnt what you have? Mm. So we
1: we reproduced this study in Canada, um, in Ontario. Um, Ontario is a very big... Place with uh, geographically very large, but it also has a lot of chiropractors. There's six and a half thousand chiropractors in Ontario and Canada. Um, so we repeated this study there, and what we found um, was again remar- actually remarkably similar uh, results to what we had in Victoria. So that was sort of reassuring that that this can translate across, and 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 that chiropractors are dealing with pretty much similar conditions and people in uh, in both Canada and Australia. Um, from my perspective, my interest um, sort of on the back of this, is trying to understand practice better so that we can then improve the quality of practice. So this is the area of research that I'm most interested in is knowledge translation. And this is trying to at the first level identify where there might be quality issues that 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 might exist. So, you know, can we identify in this instance you know, are there some 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 um, areas of chiropractic practice that are maybe not as good as it should be and that we can then try and do research and knowledge translation activities to try and close that gap? So as an example, um, I had a master's student in Canada who looked just at all of the um, overweight and obese patients that came in as part of COAST and, and OCOAST, which was the Canadian version. So in, in Victoria, we looked at 4,500 um, encounters or 4,500 patients in, in, in Ontario. It was about the same. It was about 4,000. So we had 8,500 chiropractic patients that we could use in this data set now, and we got all of the people who were overweight or obese, and then looked at whether chiropractors were giving them nutritional advice, exercise advice, anything to do with weight loss. And what we found was an, a remarkably low percentage. So around about 2% of those people was it documented that the chiropractors did anything for their the the fact that they were overweight and obese, so that's a really good example of what's called an evidence to practice gap. We identify clearly a condition that's a huge issue, um, you know, in the community, and and clearly there's a large proportion of overweight and obese people coming in to see ch- um, chiropractors, but we also identify the chiropractors weren't really doing anything about it. So that's another, that's sort of the next step in the research: to identify where these problems exist, and then to try and get
0: some research to try and fix that problem thank you for talking with us today simon really appreciate it my pleasure happy to be here thank you for listening to be on the paper i've been luke and until next time take care